You are now in the Cornwood Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. And welcome to a very special Corn Roof Podcast. I am your host, Jerry Klim, alongside my sidekick and birthday boy, Mr. Kevin Langley. Yes, folks, we got two episodes this year on both of our birthdays. That's impressive. So Kevin turns the big 2-4 this year. Kobe year. I'm hoping it doesn't crash and burn. Wow. <laughs> or, or, you know, run into a wall like Manny Ramirez. True, but uh, so we got a, today, of course, the NFL preview show, and there's no surprise guest. Me and Kev will actually probably bang this out in an hour, which is you know unheard of since last year's episode went almost two hours long. No, actually, no, last year's episode was two hours long. That was crazy, but let's hope so, it doesn't go that long. I got stuff to do. Same here. My mom goes, "How long are you recording for, folks? You know, I'm actually on vacation. I'm sitting on my porch right now recording, so they can all have peace and quiet." And she, I'm like, an hour. She goes, "Really?" I'm like, "I hope." But before we get into all the NFL festivities, Kev, we got some good stuff on t- uh, 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 what's on the docket for today's um, headlines. You got some Lincoln Riley news for me. And I'm excited to hear this one. So for college football, and I know NFL doesn't exactly have to do it. They have to do a little bit more. But college football, you do not have to disclose injuries prior to a game. Um, Lincoln Riley decided that Oklahoma is not going to disclose players who were found positive for COVID for a competitive advantage. I feel like that's, I, I had a weird feeling this is where the headline was going. And I was just like, Oh boy. <laughs> like I understand the competitive advantage aspect of it, of like a, a pulled hamstring guy's not going to be playing as at our percent, or he's not going to be playing at all. And you don't want the, you know, what? you can't catch a pulled hamstring and go to the hospital to be on a ventilator for months. Which is yeah. what's happened to some people. You can't get an enlarged heart from a pulled hamstring unless you had some really serious issues before that. But I feel like the one thing is, like, if they do have COVID, he'll pull them regardless to make sure. I think just for legal ramifications, not even just for competitive. I feel like, yeah, like, I feel like it's more of the thing like, oh, whatever their quarterback who looks who looks like the guy from, um, um, uh, the Da Vinci Code, whoever their quarterback, whatever his name is. Uh, Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Spencer Rattler, who honestly, by the way, he's just super talented kid, but just he's he's an interesting character. But like, let's say Rattler's got it, but he's fine. There's no large heart, nothing. He's in recovery already. Let's just say it's on the back end. They caught on the back end, and everyone else on the team tested negative. I don't feel like that's really a competitive advantage as much as like, oh, crap, we can't. Rattler's not in, and we didn't know about it until game time. Like, if – if they find out right before the game, like if the test comes back positive literally the morning of the game, that's not really a competitive advantage because whoever they're playing, if it's Oklahoma State, if it's Texas, if it's whatever, right before the game, like all week they've known, they would have to know because the NCAA or the Big 12 has to step in and say, you have to disclose when a player might have it. So they'll be preparing all week for no Spencer Rattler if they announce right before, like, hey, he's not playing, that's not a competitive advantage. And if they do announce right before, oh, he doesn't have it, he can play, that is. 
So yeah. announcing it also has its own competitive advantage. Yeah. I don't know. This whole situation with COVID, it just adds a whole weird set of, <laughs> I would say, advantages and disadvantages. So, I mean, look. So Miami is the first big, like, like Power 5 conference game on Thursday. They play UAB as a rematch from their, um, um, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about that bowl game. But anyway, um, so Miami gets a little revenge game now with um, – the loser formerly known as Jaron Williams gone and De'Ara King, who I think is just going to be a godsend to this program playing first. So I can see right now, like, you know, like if like it's announced like today, Oh, Al blades jr. Has COVID, but he's recovering. It's not going to be an issue, but I think it's in the legal ramifications. It's just, there's a lot of stuff around this and Lincoln Riley's really irresponsible right now for kind of take the stance. Like, Oh, it's competitive. Advantage. It's like, shut up Lincoln. You're still going to lose to an sec team in the first round. That sucks, all right. And now OBJ's in a bit of uh, steamy news, and not for the right reasons. These no-jumper girls, man, they are brutal. Yeah, I mean, do do you want me to explain what it was? I'll let you, because you bring the program a little lower when it comes to call. (laughs) So, for those who don't know, there's... It's like the thoughts next door or something is the name of the podcast. And Chief Keef's baby mama, which I didn't know this when she went on. I found that out from KFC. I saw it in a couple things talking about it. She went on and was talking about how OBJ invited her out. And she, she, uh, keep it shy, PG. She gave a little, little input into what OBJ enjoys in the bedroom. He, he enjoys being defecated on, for lack of a better word. And it's not just that. It's not just on. It's just the whole process, too. He wanted a picture. She sent a video. It's just, I mean, I knew he was an odd dude. But, like, this is a new level of strange. I mean, listen, to each his own. I, and I'm not going to, I'm no, no judgments, whatever, because, you know, like, nobody's perfect. But at the same time, they're like, what the hell, bro? He took playing for the Browns to a whole new level. Damn, just he went. You went with the straight and clean that early. Yeah. Welcome to Brownstown. It's a complete new meaning to him. He really is a Cleveland steamer. <laughs> oh my God! Only on your birthday podcast do we make these references this early in the show. Oh, my God. Any chance of a sponsorship for this week just went out the fucking window. Hey, I mean, Charmin, <laughs> Dude Wipes, um, Huggies. Huggies, that's another good one. Some adult diaper brand, maybe Pepto-Bismol or a laxative company even. I feel like the laxative would be more up his alley. <laughs> this is so messed up and i love it oh my god that was the best headline i woke up this morning at like eight o'clock in the morning i'm half asleep i'm making an egg and cheese on a bagel i literally look and guys on vacation for reference wi-fi and lte in my house is kind of spotty so i see my one of my bosses tweet about obj being trending on twitter so i kept looking down and then the kfc video the one minute man or whatever his segment is popped up i just started crying i was like what so that was a nice way to start my morning. Yeah, I um, I saw something about it and read it, and then in the 
belly up chat. They were talking about it. Or I might have brought it up, actually. I think you did bring it up. So, I mean, that was... Let's move on. Let's just move on from OBJ. No more Browns or OBJ talk for the rest of the episode. At least no more OBJ talk about Browns. We're going to bring up the Browns at least once the rest of the day. So, what's next on the list, Kev? Um, I don't, was, was there other, big... oh, it was basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so right now folks tonight, Jimmy Butler has a chance to knock basically golden state. The, um, I'm talking Baron Davis warriors for those who actually have watched basketball before 2013. I'm talking about Baron Davis warriors to Dirk Nowitzki's Mavericks, the, 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 the uh, bucks. And can we talk about how much of an implication this game has for the league? Because Giannis, like right now, if it wasn't for a clutch Chris Middleton three, which I never thought I'd actually say that sentence in Chris minute. Middleton hits clutch threes all the time. I know, but like actually in, in actually in a big moment where that actually saves their season. Oh, like saving their season, he, yeah, no. If he no, doesn't no. hit this shot, Miami goes down the court and scores and the season's over. So, like, because Tyler Hero wasn't missing in that fourth quarter. I mean, overtime. So, I've watched this entire series from end to end. I've watched so much NBA playoffs out here on vacation. Honestly, it's been nice. I watched – I've been – right now, my Eastern Conference is still Miami-Boston. I still have the Celtics in seven. But the if the Celtics can't put away Toronto tomorrow in my and it goes to seven – or, I mean, what is it? We go to six, right? Or go to seven. It would go to seven. Go to seven. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. So if the Celtics can't put them away in Game Six tomorrow, I've got Miami in seven, in six over Boston, only because Miami is going to come in fresh. They're going to come in explosive, and Jimmy Butler is just going to literally try to bully Jason Tatum the entire game. We'll 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 talk about that later when the Easter when the final start. We'll bring Joey back on, and and Kev can yell at him for an hour why the Celtics are a better team than the Heat, but. If you guys don't know, Joey Levin, of course, our basketball resident basketball expert. I text him on a regular about NBA playoffs because I still have much to learn. But, of course, you know, we have the Clippers starting to, like, take care of business against the Nuggets. I think LeBron is going to take care of the the Rockets. I think it's going to be an all-LA finals. I still have the Clippers winning the damn thing unless – you know, Jimmy Butler is this year's Cinderella story with Miami. I would laugh because I said they weren't even going to make the playoffs this past offseason. So yeah, I left I mean, my words. I felt that way about the Celtics. I felt that if they didn't win last night, they dropped three in a row. They're not winning the series. After how convincingly they won last night, they're I think they're going to make the finals. I think I think the only way they don't is if if like the Heat just have like one of those like like give everything you got and then a little more like games and it's just it's just a momentum killer but like i look at the celtics just their roster one through eight i don't even have to go into the bottom end of their bench it's just so loaded yeah the, and, the celtics are a better team than the bucks oh yes no and the what, what cracks me is the bucks won so many games is because also they have the best player offensive player on the floor 98 percent of the time and what allows them to win is the fact that he was just able just to dominate but also, we're forgetting the fact that there was a month and a half left of the season before when COVID smacked us in the face. Sure. Who who say they did, they didn't fall off at the end? Sure. I'm um, I'm actually you know what I'm gonna give the Bucks the 76ers treatment. 
Okay. Are they better without Giannis? That's a tough one because I feel like as alone, if you put a different star there, like you put a Tatum or you yeah, no, they're a- they're not better without Giannis. I was joking. It's no, ridiculous. No, 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 I'm saying no, but no, hear me out though because you may have a small point. I'm saying because Middleton's a different kind of cat. With Brogdon there, you kind of get the whole facilitator that allows guys other than Giannis to get the ball. But until you have a legitimate point guard to pair with a ball-dominant slasher who can't really shoot except for the bare minimum like Giannis, it's an odd combo. That's why, like, I think, like, in Minnesota, the D'Lo edition works because D'Lo is a good distributor along with a scorer, which allows Cat, Johnson, Beasley, and whoever the hell they draft, hopefully Edwards, to, you know, thrive. But with Giannis, the loss of Brogdon, which nobody talked about in the offseason except for, like, Nick Wright from all the people I listen to. And then, of course, now Joey's talking about his one, his NBA Morning Deuce. By the way, check it out. It's a great podcast. I listen to it every morning. Um, it's like the facilitator is so essential to a guy like Giannis who cannot get his own shot unless he's within 24 feet. That's true. I also have a hot take about Giannis. Fire. He's going to win MVPs. He's going to go down as one of the best players in NBA history. He's our, he's our Charles Barkley. It's not, it has nothing to do with him winning a ring. He might win a ring down the road. He's never, I'm putting money, he is never going to be the best player in the NBA. Yes, I will agree with never. that. You know why? Because look at, look at guys like Kobe. Look at guys like Jordan. Look at guys even like LeBron. I don't love LeBron, but look at him. And now look at Tatum. If someone's going off against those teams, what are they saying? They're saying to their coach, either, I'm guarding him or I'm going at him. Giannis is like, no, I'll do whatever coach. No, you can't have that mentality if you want to be the best player. Even like, and you can't say, oh, it's because he's four. And he's like, no, Luke even said he wanted to take on the best player on the opposing team. Dirk used to say that as well. Dirk was always kind of an ant defender, but he was long. Yeah. There is no foreign, or foreign, foreign player excuse here. So with Giannis, when you, when you shared it with me, I think it was the episode before I took off for here. I think it was last Tuesday. And you said basically to me, you're like, and you sh- and re- you showed me that quote because I missed that that whole quote after they got they got smacked by Jimmy Butler in the first game. And I was like, you know, that's really if I heard my star player say that, like if I heard Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell say, oh, I don't want to take him, I'd be like, uh, come again. Like even Wiggins would take on the team's best scorer, and he was a bona fide three. And that's 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 what scares me about Giannis because everyone's like, oh, is Giannis the best player? I'm like, he's fun to watch and he's a great scorer, but he's never going to be a number one alpha dog because he doesn't have the fortitude to take on Jimmy Butler, who is bum-rushing your defense for 40 points in the series opener. You, you know what I think the best argument against the, oh, he's a four, he's not going to cover a guard? You know what the best argument against that is? First off, Giannis was a small forward for a while. He can easily guard a two. He's athletic and enough, but also— he, He's quick as shit. I don't understand the whole argument. Look at Marcus Smart. He's a one or a two, depending on the day, what offense you're running. He's guarded Joel Embiid. And giving him nightmares. I just love Marcus Smart also. I wanted to mention him. Oh, I, lo- I loved him since Oklahoma State. Like, I was, ha- I was hyping into a winning team. I know now we're looking at, like, kind of guys who are a lot like Kobe and stuff, like Tatum, who have that mindset kind of. Yeah, but Marcus Smart has that mindset. He doesn't get talked about because he's not as skilled as the other guys, but Marcus Smart, he hit five threes 
the other he's night. A killer. But he's then a killer. Keep, it doesn't matter if he's hit four in a row. If he's gone over six, he's shooting that three. He does not care. Well, here's the thing: is like it's 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 a fortitude. It's a it's a kind of a kill or be kill mentality, and you see it only about sixty percent of the time with players in the NBA right now. You're seeing it more than you did a few years ago when we were in college. You saw it a lot less, but this new generation of guys, these guys want to get at opposing players. Tatum's got it. Towns, D'Lo, they got it. Dame's got it. Steph and Clay got it. Le- LeBron, to the most part, has it. Um. Jimmy Butler is literally having it oozing out of his skin. Um, I, I Simmons and Embiid don't got it. Um, who else can I throw in there? Uh, I would say Lucas definitely has it. Yeah, Luke's Luke got, Luke I mean, got a killer job. Lucas a sniper. Um, you're missing people. People are gonna probably. Yeah, but it. you get the point. It's the guys that you see. Like, there's a reason. It's the guys who are getting amped up and like flexing and yelling on the court. This is why I've never been an Anthony Davis fan. I don't fear him. I don't. I don't even Russell Westbrook has that mentality. If, if only he could shoot a three pointer, it'd be great, but what he does, he can't. So, you know, Yeah, I mean, uh, also one more point about the NBA before we go to the NFL. Can I tell you the dumbest thing I saw today? I don't want to hear this. You don't, or you do? I do. I do. I do. Okay. So Spencer Keel, he covers the jazz, I guess. He's not verified, but he's got a bunch of followers. He follows a bunch of people. I don't know what he does. I don't know. He could be an accountant in his day-to-day job. But he tweeted, if the Utah Jazz must trade Rudy to keep Mitchell, a realist, realistic trade I like is Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Taco. They're not trading that for a guy who can't score. I could see them making that move for Mitchell, getting that I kind couldn't. of haul. I mean, the thing is, get you just got to get Donovan Mitchell out. Send him to Minnesota. Send him, send him to some place where he doesn't have to be the number one. Mitchell's the number one, but he doesn't, like, I, at least get him help. You know what would be a great pairing? Putting Mitchell with Giannis. That's true. You know what I can Mitchell's see Mitchell's a killer, Giannis is not. You know what I can see them making that trade for? Who? Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and the Jazz's first round picks for the next four years. Oh, for that for that haul? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I would say maybe the Celtics were in a second round or next year. I just feel like just to balance to balance out the sheet. But like basically, yeah, that would pretty and even then I would complain about that trade nonstop. In until, you know, you saw the uh the patient zero for coronavirus swat a Joel Embiid ball back in his face. No, I don't care about that. I don't even know. Also, also, is it just me? Or do I see Gobert get dunked on constantly? Yeah, well, it it's common. Like a lot of guys who are rim protectors who will go up to contest anything get dunked on a lot. Daniel Tice I, does the same thing. Yeah, I know. and I, I love Tice. I love him though because he's just giant and tatted and crazy looking. I love it. Also, something I didn't really realize until the other night or until the season, he runs down the floor every time, like sprints. I love that for guys like that. Unless he's t- like wicked tired, like just did it four times in a row back and forth. He yeah. will. I saw him get a rebound. It was a breakaway. It was like three on two or two on one. And he was still sprinting down the floor to make it three on one. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be it's going to the, the next two nights. We're definitely going to see the whole. West and East kind of close out a little bit. I feel bad because I saw Denver is going to be a disgusting team next year. Jamal Murray, I think we definitely saw him move up a tier when it comes to like star 
Oh yeah, this was level. his coming out party. Oh yeah, no, he's not gonna beat he's not gonna beat the Clippers, but like we now know like this is like Tatum last year. We him and Tatum actually no Tatum now. Tatum and Murray are both like the next gen, like like the new like everyone's like, who's the next face in the NBA? I mean, I could see Tatum. I could see if Tatum is it was a little more I think if Tatum gets more press, I think he could. But it's gonna be like he's gonna be he's not gonna be like LeBron where he's always just like in the spotlight. No, although if the Celtics stay, like, make it to the finals, and the Lakers do too, that will be another step. It doesn't matter if they lose 4 nothing. I hope they don't get swept, but because that will beat Tatum on a national stage against the Lakers. If he does well, book it. He's next face of the league. Oh, yeah. The even if he goes, though, I'm excited. Even if he goes nine rounds with Jimmy Butler, like, even if it's the full seven, him and Butler will be a, a dynamic. I want to just see that matchup so bad. Because Butler is the most antagonizing defender I've ever seen, besides like maybe like Patrick Beverly. And watching those two duke it out would be insane because the scoring would be ridiculous. I don't think I think the Celtics if they play, if both teams make it, which I'm pretty sure they will, uh, I think the Celtics are gonna put smart on Butler. I don't think they'll put Tatum. I think Butler will cover Tatum though. Yeah, Butler will, but on the other side, they'll probably put Smart. Or they'll, Brad Stevens likes running zone a lot. I don't love it in some situations. He thinks he's Greg Popovich. Um, all right. That about wraps it up for NBA talks. we got to get rocking and rolling here. we got 40 minutes of nonstop football talk. So we're going to actually start off, first off, with re- with quick news today. Kevin, so the NFL did over 17,500 tests in the last couple of days over with over all the all active players in the league. You know how many coronavirus cases came back? I know the answer, so just say it. One. Which is just it's good news. It's great news. And with that kind of positive headline, we'll get right into records predictions. So we're where we're gonna do this is me and Kevin go to division by division and we're gonna tell you who, what the records are. On Thursday, we're gonna tell you who's making the playoffs and and who our predictions are for Super Bowl contenders. Right before, because uh, I'll be home by then, and we'll be able to get rock and rolling. Also, I get to meet Kev's pup on Thursday, so I'm excited. Can't wait. He's excited. I told him. Oh, yeah, no, because Uncle Jared's coming to meet, un- meet my nephew. I'm excited. All right, NFC West, we're kicking it off with the Arizona Cardinals. Kev, I looked through the record, and Arizona's going to have a lot of improvements. I love Kirk, Hop, and and um, who's the other receiver they, drew? they got? Shit, they got one more. It's killing me. Larry Fitzgerald. Life it's Joe. Yeah, sorry, my brain's like fried right now. Um, and you know, it's Kyler Murray's gonna click Kingsbury. It makes so much sense on offense, but their defense is still eh. So I gotta only give them a seven to nine because I looked at a lot of their games and they were in games. I could see them being in these games, but not surviving to the end where like a costly turnover is going to kill their entire game because the team's gonna go down and score on them. So I gave them seven to nine. I got them at nine and seven, actually. Hmm. Right, I think so they're gonna steal offense, a couple games from you. Yeah, I think this offense it has enough firepower. I mean, I'm not 100 percent sold on their run game. Yeah, really. I'm not either. But I mean, they have one of, if not the best, receiving the league, depending on where you want to look at. It. It's either Hopkins or Julio. Mike, yeah. Mike Thomas, get out of here. Yeah. Um, Slant Larry, King himself. Larry Fitzgerald doesn't drop anything. He's a reliable guy that Kyler's used to having. And Christian Kirk's just a good, solid number three guy. Kyler's going to make a jump. And also, I think people are kind of disrespecting their defense a little bit. It's not great, but 
Who would they draft in the first round this year? A tackle. You're right. I just, yeah, I just can't I remember who they got. By the way, um, their starting running back is Kenyon Drake. Never mind. I'm sold on their running game. Their running game is going to be great. Um, it's going to be no, no. Their running game is going to be B plus. Like he's going to get a thousand yards because the thing is, he'll get open. He'll get open like lanes. It's not going to be like in Miami where he's ducking and dodging his way just to get ten yards at a clip. It's yeah. he's going to get open. The way Cliff Kingsbury's offense works, he's going to get running lanes. Their offense is going to be elite. But their defense is going to be terrible, so they're going to be in shootouts every week. They're going to be—they're going to have a C plus defense. Really, I was going to give them C minus. I—I th- don't think they're going to be as wor- as bad as like Jacksonville's defense, but I think they're going to be bad. What are two things you want on defense? Pass rusher and corner. They have P-Pat and Chandler Jones. That's—you can build the defense on that. Now P-Pat's getting a little old, but I think that they will be good enough. And also with another year, get that defense getting used to each other with. Cliff Kingsbury and their defense. I think this defense is going to be better than last year. I think they're going to be a C plus. I think they're going to be good enough to allow their offense to put up more points. All right. So I could see eight and eight. It's just they're going to have to sneak a game for me. It's not going. They're going to like. I look when I t- I looked through the schedules about an hour ago and I went through everything. I did a final look through and I said, all right. So what are the games they're going to nail? What are the games they're going to steal? And the only game I could see them stealing, and I'm going to pull up this window in front of Kevin's beautiful face. Is I could see them stealing one, uh, it, uh, with Seattle, a week before their bye or Dallas, the two games I could see them stealing, because unfortunately, then they play at they play Buffalo at home, which I think is going to be a dicey one. If if Allen's playing at the level I think he can play at, it's going to be it's tricky. Then they play Seattle in Seattle. They play in New England. They get the Rams, the Giants, and then they finish off with Philly. And then San Fran, and then LA Rams again. So it's going to be a grueling gauntlet of the games after the bye week. I think the Rams are the worst team in this division now. And I had them finishing at like 5-11, and 11, I think, and we'll get into that next. But those Rams games are going to be shootouts because Goff can still move the ball. And Woods and Cup are not bad receivers. It's just they're not going to be the elite offense they were in 17 or 18. So, all right, with Arizona, moving on, we'll talk about the L.A. Rams. Uh, I have the Rams going 5-11. and 11, And it's the same thing with the Cardinals, except their defense basically has two redeeming factors. They have one good corner and one good interior pass rusher. And their outside guys, I'm like, it's like, I mean, like, okay, Dante Fowler's good, but he's not great. Like, their, their linebackers are okay. But, like, John Johnson's all right, but they lost Nikhil Roby Coleman, who was their, like, their playmaker in that secondary besides Ramsey. They don't have a number two corner to go along with Ramsey. And you're going to tell me Cam Akers is going to be a 30-carry-a-game guy or a 30-touch-a-game guy? I don't buy it. I feel like they're going to be playing from behind a lot. And uh, I, I got them going 5-11. I think they're good. this is going to be the – they're going to have a rough season. I have them at – and I've been working today, so I didn't get a chance to look at all the schedules. I'm just going by gut feelings. Yes. I have them going 4-12. and 12. Wow. I know I pulled this a lot. I know I said about Russell Wilson. I was kind of joking when I said it. Jared Goff is Mark Sanchez. I with think a he's better, a with, a, better. with a better arm. With a better arm. He's a little better than Mark Sanchez, but that's what he's going to be. Yeah. Like, look, they got rid of the run game last year because right. Gurley was out all the time. They str- the team struggled. You know what the worst part is? I I was I remember making this point before. They're gonna start 0 and 4. 
They take on Dallas in L.A. They're going to lose that game. I'm sorry. As much as I rip on Dallas, they always start hot. Then they take on Philadelphia in Philly. Jalen Rager's debut, along with Philly possibly coming off a nice tune-up game against Washington. As long as everyone's healthy, Philly steamrolls them. Then they take on Buffalo in Buffalo. And then they've got the Giants, who I think are a good but not great team. They're in the same boat as Arizona to me. And then you take on Washington, which they're going to they're gonna kill Washington. It, Washington is the second worst team in this, in this league. Then they get San Francisco. They get a break with Chicago. Then they get Miami, in which 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 was labeled as possibly Tua's debut. So that is a toss-up game there. And then they get Seattle, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Arizona, New England. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought Green Bay's schedule was awful. L.A. got host. Can I change my prediction? I, I can say like 3 of 13 now. I can't too, but I went 5 and 11 because McVay is a smart coach. He's horrible at defense, but he's a smart offensive coach. But here's what you – a lot of the guys you just mentioned, you just mentioned teams. Like, obviously, they got to play Seattle twice. Pete Carroll, experienced coach. Doug Peterson, as much as I like ripping on the Eagles to get under your skin, he's a good coach. It's a Why very the visor, dude? concerning – even Brian Flores, who I think he gets the most out of the Dolphins as he can. I love Brian Flores. Good defensive-minded coach. He could even out-coach McVay, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, no, 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 no. I hold – if I – on my coaching hierarchy, I hold Flores higher than McVay because Flores knows how to get the ball side of all three parts of the ball – of the game. Whereas with McVay, you really get special some special teams and a lot of offense. Like, I – Super Bowl 53. I hold a lot of esteem for McVay because he's not really known as a defensive coach. He held the Patriots to 13 points. But on the other side, he's known as an offensive coach. He scored three, six? Six. I don't remember that game at all. I had a whole bottle of bourbon. It's – McVay's very hot and cold to me, and I think this year is going to be a year where people might go, should he just be a coordinator? I. That's how I feel. I think right now he needs a little more time to cook in the oven when it comes to the coaching oven. Whereas like guys like Peterson were coordinators until they're fit in their fifties, and then Peterson comes out the oven and is like, "All right, bet Philly, Philly." But like in, in also you have guys like Mick, Belichick. Belichick wasn't head coach until he was what in his forties, late forties. Uh, nineteen ninety-five. So probably like mid late forties. Andy Reid, same thing. I think there is something to be said with these Wonder Boy head coaches. Let's see one win the big game, not just make it there, win it. Because the last time you sent a a boy to do a man's job, the last two guys have lost to the men. While you sent a man to take on Belichick and a man won, outcoached him, and got lucky. It wasn't just coaching. Like like Belichick coached great. Peterson coached phenomenal. And Peterson got two lucky bounces and took advantage of them. Whereas Shanahan had all the lucky bounces in the world going into the fourth quarter and let Andy Reid get under his skin and win. So, I I was also wrong. Uh, Belichick coached in Cleveland from 91 to 95, so 39 to 44. But he sucked. The Browns were not good that I, year. That still proves my point. No, I know. I'm, I'm correcting myself. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. I, 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 I love the stat checking. All right. My next uh, one was the 49ers. So, the 49ers are weird because there are two games on the schedule where I am a 50-50 ball on them. So I looked down, and I was like, you know what? They're going to steamroll everyone. So Arizona, Jets, Giants, but then they have Philly. It's at home. 
I gave them that game, but unless like they come out slow, because San Fran has a tendency to come out slow in the beginning of the season. Remember, we didn't really have them as a favorite until mid to late October. Um, I'll give them. I'll give them the win over Philly. I'll give them. The win. They're going to start the season almost like eight or nine and zero, and then they go to New Orleans. I think they'll lose this one. I think that New Orleans, as much as I think they're going to fall off this year, they're going to be in a lot of games, and I think this is where they're going to. And then they take. Then they go. At LA, they take on Buffalo, Dallas, so they could very well go fourteen and two. But it's also Jimmy Garopp, a Jimmy Garoppolo led San Francisco team. So, and I don't. Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid B quarterback. He's a B B plus quarterback. I hope he's a he's a he, like. There's the Dak Prescotts and Alex Smiths of the world. Then there is the Matt Ryan's, Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world. Then you get up into the Watson, Jackson, Wentz. Then above that, it's like Breeze, Brady, Rodgers. Rodgers in his prime, not Rodgers now. But you you see my point, though. With Garoppolo, his ceiling is what he's at right now. And I worry about if they get into a duke out with a hot Carson Wentz or a hot Breeze or a hot Brady, can he keep his team in it if they just start doubling Kittle? That was my point. That's why I have them kind of split between 11 and 5 and 13 and 3. So I feel like two of those games against contenders can go either way. Ten and six, eleven and five. Okay, so you're more you're more pessimistic than I am. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback if you put weapons around him. They lost one of their they lost one of their better running backs in the offseason. Their receivers are Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Boone, Trent Taylor, and Dante Pettis. Travis Benjamin and Richie James Jr. are out, and Chris Thompson, Tavon Austin, and Jalen Hurd are all in the IR. George Kittle and Jordan Reed are fine tight ends, but yes, they lost a good running back. Richard Sherman's a year older. He was already starting to go down. I don't even think he's a top 20 corner in the in the league anymore. And he's their number one corner. So yeah, you do have a point. I still The, the lucky thing for them is they only play Seattle twice. I, I'm still I'm I'm so shaky on the offense. I think their defense will be fine. I don't think it's going to be as good as last year. They're going to get after the quarterback. Their front seven is still elite, but the losses to Forrest Buckner is going to hurt because I love Armstead. I love Nick. You know how much I love Nick Bosa, and I love their whole front front seven with Quan Alexander and Fred Warner. The issue to me is that back end. They have a good safety in Ward, but the on top of that, you really start to get really dicey with those corners. They should have really addressed that in the draft, and they didn't, and that was the thing that bugged me the most. So they went and got a DZ tackle. I get it. You you follow the Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, Belichick principle. You build from the line out. I get it. But at the same time, when your glaring weakness is a corner, and C.J. Henderson was sitting there, you could have moved up. I, I just... There's a, or you could have in the offseason gone out and gotten a corner. There's a lot of things there that just are like, all right, you guys are really banking that you're going to get to the quarterback within three or four seconds. But what if it's a quick pass offense? Like if they play Tampa Bay in the playoffs, and you know Arians, Arians can be like, all right, Brady, you're literally firing within a second of your hitting that drop step. Or like Carson Wentz in Philly, where basically Peterson might have them run screen passes and and like like quick ins the entire first half. I am not sure that pass rush is going to be elite against non-deep passing teams. Yeah, and even if they are a deep passing team, a coach is going to look at that and go, okay, cool, so first half, we're just going to run short passes, get this defense tired, 
Get this front seven tired. And then second half, throw the ball. Deep. Like, like, let's let like, it's the problem is, is like, I could, I don't think like my, my best friend, one of my best friends, Chris, good, a good kid. He just, he's a really big, I, I don't think he can't hold a Kevin, can't hold a Kevin, but here is the, here is the thing. He is, oh, who's going to beat us? Who's going to beat us? The NFC. I'm like, um, Philly, Tampa Bay, <laughs> New Orleans, uh, Seattle. Now that they have the best safety and fo- second best safety in football, like, well, not the best because the the first best safety is out for six to eight weeks. Um, it's just with San Fran, there was a lot of smokescreen last year, and Mahomes. Ex- the one thing about Mahomes, Mahomes is like like Kyrie, or you know Kawhi. He finds your biggest weakness and just exposes it. So, all right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll go a little faster here because I realize we're already at 17 minutes into this and we are dragging ass. Uh, Hawks 12 and four, the best, the best secondary in this division. They have the best quarterback in this division. They can run the football with a bag of flour and legs. And they have one of the most, the, one of the most athletic receiving cores in this division. I got them going 12 and four. I'm going 12 and four too. Um, even though Jadavion Clowney, I have my doubts about him. He is still a loss on defense, but I think DK Metcalf, uh, another year will make him even better. They still have Tyler Lockett. If their running back core can stay healthy, they're going to be great. They they will probably exceed this, which is hard to say when going 12-4. and four. But I think it's going to rely on that running back core. But even if they're all injured, it's still going to be 12-4. and four. That's their floor. That I think they could easily go 15-1 and one if they catch good breaks. But 12-4 and four is a solid base. They could also catch a loss here or there if like they Russell Wilson gets like play calls into a corner. Uh, next up. NFC South. I have the Falcons going eight and eight. I love that offense, but that defense is terrible. I I just what AJ Tyrell. You really want a guy who literally can't tackle, um, and their secondary. They just find corners who get smoked. It, to me, I just the Falcons are going to score a lot of points, but they're also going to give up a ton too. So I, I, their plus minus is going to be at like one point or two for points given versus points uh, allowed. So I don't. I just I don't trust the Falcons this year. I have them at nine and seven. I think this offense is explosive. I think Gurley's gonna have a bounce back year, but yeah, they're, that defense is too many question marks. They're gonna lose them a lot of games. How did I th- like? You must be bad if I'm really like Vic Beasley is a loss. Yeah, yeah. At, ouch. Uh, I Panthers just love 16- Calvin Ridley and Julio. Oh, I know. I do too. Free Julio. That's why I texted my buddy that I'm like, get Julio at any other contender. He's a he's a like top five, top two all time receiver. With any other quarterback besides Matt Ryan, um, <sighs> Panthers five and eleven, six and ten, they are going to get shit on this year, and it's not Bridgewater's fault, it's not McCaffrey's, it's the fact that that division is loaded, their schedule is brutal, and they their defense has so many question marks. Yeah, I I think they're honestly going to go four and twelve, but McCaffrey and Bridgewater I think are going to put up good number. McCaffrey's going to put up great numbers. Bridgewater's going to put up good numbers, and it's not going to be their fault. They just – they're going to give up so many points, and there are some other question marks on that offense. Oh, totally. All right. Saints, 11-5. I think they're – oh, this was 11-5, 10-6. It really depends on if they move Kamara. If they move Kamara before week eight, 
they are going to only win nine games. That man is such a difference maker on that offense, and he basically makes their offense more deadly. I think they're going to win a couple games in trick plays. They have a very easy schedule for a lot of the stretch. I just think they're not going to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's defense does three things well. They rush the passer, they stop the run, and they make you force dumb turnovers. And that's why I think Tampa Bay is going to be the better team in that division. I have them going 12-4 and four as well. I have the Saints going 11-5. and five. The Kamara thing is old news. They're nearing an extension. He's back to practice. He's talking to front office and coaching staff again. Okay. All right. So I didn't see that headline this morning. I've been so 11 and five. Okay. Um, I think because as much as you want to talk about Drew Brees' arm strength, this offense is built for a declining arm strength quarterback. You have Mike Thomas running slants. You have Kamara coming out of the backfield. Like you don't really have a. Yes, Thomas maybe can go deep. He just doesn't do it, so we don't know. But this offense is built for a quarterback who can only throw 15 yards downfield. Fair enough. And then also, I have the Bucks going 12 and 4. I think it's going to be a tight race, but I think two of the Saints' losses are going to be against the Bucks because that offense is too good. I don't. Yeah, there are question marks on defense. I don't care. I have the Saints through five losses as such um, at uh, home versus Tampa Bay. Um,. At Philadelphia, at only because they're at Philly, at Mile High because they, you know, they have to go to Denver and Drew Locke is going to be a, a problem this year. And then I've got um, what's his face, and then another Tampa Bay loss. I think they're going to lose one either to t- Detroit, who I have as an upstart team this year, because the Saints always struggle against teams that love to outshoot them. That's going to be it. It's going to be they're going to have those four contender losses, and then they're going to have like one loss that makes no sense, but eleven five on the nose for me. So good. Uh, me and Kevin on the same page. All right. La, uh, NFC North will bulldoze through this. The Packers, 7-9. Everyone's like, what? How? And I'm going to tell you quickly. They have the worst schedule on the planet besides maybe the, the Rams. They take on five contenders within eight weeks, and they are going to get smacked by 80% of them. Their only break is they do take on Philadelphia in Green Bay instead of in Philly. I don't think it's going to matter because Rodgers and that offense is going to struggle. They did not address any of their problems in the offseason. And now they are staring down the barrel of a loaded NFC, a, top, a loaded top-heavy NFC. And they are staring on the front of there are two teams in that division who are better than them running back down. Um, Minnesota, Green, Minnesota, Detroit. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I got the Packers at 10-6. and six. You still think they're going to hang on for one more year? I think they're going to hang on. I, their window is slammed shut. Uh, the rest of the NFC is caught up. Their quarterback's getting older. They don't have. They have so many questions on offense because they have Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers. But also, I think I think they're going to win games. But it, you're going to see that this is the end. Uh, it's going to be, I think, by week 17, maybe, depending on the rest of the NFC shakes out. I think the Saints are going to be a wild card team. I think we might see the start of the Jordan Love era this year. Yeah, especially if they get kicked in the teeth a couple times, which is very possible, because teams that run the football well dominate the Packers. We saw it last year. So 49ers, Eagles, Chargers, all with a good running back, utilize the running backs, and they kicked in the teeth regardless. Uh, my next team, this is my surprise pick and my surprise division winner. I got talked into this by listening to Rich Eisen show for three hours, so don't judge me here. Lions at 10-6. and six. Now hear me out. They have the best one-two punch of deep ball and contested ball receivers with Galladay and Jones. They're not the best receivers, but they do one thing well, and it's the thing that Matthew Stafford excels at, and it's throwing contested footballs. 
They also have a good running back core. Even if one goes down, they still have a ton. They have Peterson, Swift, and Johnson. Even if two of them go down, one of them is going to get carries. TJ Hawkinson is a budding star tight end. I don't think he's as good as his counterpart Noah Fant over in Denver, but he's still a great tight end. I'm not sold on Patricia as a head coach, but you don't need to be an elite head coach to get into the playoffs. You just need to get them there. I think they're going to punch Green Bay in the mouth repeatedly with running the football. I think Minnesota is going to struggle without Stephon Diggs taking guys out of the box. That's why I have Detroit winning this thing. Um, I have Detroit going 9-7, and seven actually. Right, you say, one, right? I think it's going to be one of the tight, most tightly contested divisions. Yeah. But you say that if one of these guys go down, Karen Johnson's going down. He goes down every year. Yeah. Matt Stafford breaks his back almost every year. Adrian Peterson's a dinosaur. Uh, and I remember when Trent Richardson was supposed to be the next hot thing at running back, and DeAndre Swift could be the same. I think DeAndre Swift's better. I think he's more – he's a better fit for the NFL – but I think it's a question mark with any rookie running back. But also, uh, I'm not 100% sold on that defense, really. It's going to be interesting. They have a lot of young guys. That's the, that's the issue. Yeah, so so there's question marks. I'm not saying they're going to be bad necessarily, but I think there are going to be growing pains earlier in the season. With any team that has a lot of young guys in a, on part of the field, it, they're going to struggle early because of the abridged training camp they've had. This is this year's NFC East. It's going to be four teams beating the crap out of each other for, for the whole season, and one team is going to emerge at the end. I have the I have the Vikings going 10-6 and six as well, but I think they're going to lose the tiebreak to the Lions. The issue with the Vikings is I, once again, don't trust Cousins, and I don't think Justin Jefferson's that good of a prospect. And I think the loss of Diggs is going to hurt them because you don't have a guy taking a guy taking two defensive backs out of the box every time he goes deep. I'm sorry, I don't like if I am a safety or a corner, I don't fear Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen going deep. I'm like, all right, when are they going to cut underneath to try to catch a ball from Cousins? Diggs, I feared that speed and route running combo. I, it, I think that is the biggest. That's the most understated loss to this team. They didn't lose they and the problem is their secondary is questionable. They did get <laughs> Ngakwe, which means their pass rush is gonna be absolutely terrifying. It's gonna keep them in games. This is why I have them going nine, seven, ten, and six. But I think they're gonna get exposed when they play a team with a good offensive line. Um, I think that the Vikings are gonna go eleven and five, twelve and four. Wow. I think that the Addition of Yannick Ngakwe is going to help them a lot on that front seven. Also, I don't think the loss of Diggs is that big a deal. Uh, they didn't really use him all that much last year at certain points. He was points. a big distraction, though. That's the issue. Like, he took Justin guys Jefferson's out of the box. bigger and faster. He can stretch the field. Bigger. I, no, I You and me completely disagree on Jefferson. We can get into this argument again, but no, we don't I don't think Jefferson's a good receiver. I just think I don't think he's faster Diggs, than Diggs by a mile. I think Diggs, Diggs, Diggs ran a four four six forty. Jefferson ran a four four three. I don't give. I don't care. I, I care about game speed, not forty speed. Because I think also you talked about Jalen Rieger's unofficial forty time. So whatever your thoughts on the forty time are wrong. Um, I think it. They will. I think a lot of people are going to agree with you. They'll think uh, Justin Jefferson's not that good. He can't get separation. I can also gonna see put one. They're going to put a corner on him. Not can save the top. He might burn one or two guys. That will then give the deep ball some credence. Let's be clear here. I am not saying they're not going to win. I'm saying it's going to be like they are going to go 
10 and 6, and it's going to come down to the last week of them in Detroit. I don't think Green Bay is going to be in this. And we could even, I'll say right now, because nobody gives a crap about Chicago, Mitch Trubisky is your starter going 4 and 12. Like, we'll cut this division short. But basically, with me, it's Minnesota, Detroit, down to last week. Yeah. Um, I think Chicago's going to go 5 and 11. I think that defense is still good. Ah, 6 and 10. I think that defense is still good enough to win them games. But yeah, no, that offense is horrible. My whole I, logic was somebody's got to go 4 and 12, 11, 15, 5 and 11. There's only so many games you can win and lose. Um, so, um, Who's their running back? Is it Devin Singletary? Is that what it is? It's Singletary still. Or is it and David Montgomery? Tyree, and Tyree Cohen. Who's Dave? Montgomery. No, Singletary plays for the Bills. Montgomery plays for the. I always get them mixed up. I don't know why. I know I because they're both like useless him. and they're both not that fast. All right. Um, I don't like him. I don't like either of them. All right. Uh, NFC East. I got Philly going 11 and 5. Their offense is going to be a lot more improved, even if they, even if Rieger is only a good addition. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who didn't even understand the playbook last year, apparently has been like, in a, is so good. Philly's about to trade. Phil, there were trade Jeffrey rumors. This guy was so good in camp. They're like, oh, they're moving Jeffrey. It was a false rumor. On top of that, they're all their all their injuries are like day to day, week to week, and. Only two guys are not going to be available for week one. One of those being, of course, Rieger. Wentz is healthy. Sanders going to have a breakout year. I love the addition of Darius Slay and Javon Hargrave. It, it basically makes their D-line and their secondary even better than they were last year because the Eagles secondary was garbage, and basically their pass rush kept them within games. They're going to go 11-5 because they're going to take a loss to Baltimore. There's no question. They're going to lose one of the two games to Dallas. They're going to lose one game. It's going to make me blow my brains out somewhere. That's where I got them going, 11-5, lowest 10-6. and six. I just think this is the best Philly team we've had since 17, and they're going to do a lot of damage. 9-7, 10-6. I am not sold on Rieger. I don't think he's as fast as people think he is. I don't think he's as good a receiver as people think he is. Um, I think there are questions at linebacker that they needed to address, and instead they took Jalen Hurts, which was important because Carson Wentz always gets hurt. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's a year older. He's getting up there. He's a speed receiver. Age is his biggest enemy. True. I also, think this, re- it's, this it's receiving be- court, if stays healthy, will be average at best. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised, but I will give you that take for now. Because I am I am banking on training camp footage where you are banking off previous games. So I don't know if he's tearing it up in training camp. I'm not picking up in all my fans. I, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying I want – I said this to my buddy. today. he was asking about, like, guys I should grab as sleepers. And I said, any Philly receivers? I'm like, you know how I feel about Rieger, but go after Whiteside because Whiteside's going to be a nightmare at 6'3", but runs a 4'4'9". Like, he's a nightmare in the red zone. So a 4'5'1", 4'4'9", some of that range. Anyway, it's within 0.2 seconds. So it doesn't really matter. All right, uh, I have Dallas going 9-7. and seven. They are going to start hot, but the back end of their schedule is brutal, and they're going to get kicked around in shootouts, and there is a very real possibility we could see Andy Dalton somewhere if Prescott has a four-interception game. Uh, Cowboys going 11-5. and five. Wow. I, I just think that offense is too good. Yeah, their, line, their offensive line is getting very old. This is their last shot, really, to be even anywhere close to average. But I think... Dak Prescott is a perfectly mediocre quarterback. He's average. People like shitting on him because he wants all his money. He's an average quarterback, and you put all those weapons around him, I think he's going to do fine. Yeah, there's question marks on defense, but every team has question marks right now. I think Dallas is my last wild card team. You have them winning the damn division. That's some, I, that's. I, listen, we'll see what happens. I, I 
I'm not even I wasn't even going off Philly bias here. I was literally just thinking like looking up the thing about Dallas that scares me is that secondary is terrible. It looks like Philly secondary last year, and it scares the crap out of me if I'm a Cowboys fan. Me and Joey talked about this the day he filled in for you. The loss of Gerald McCoy is gonna be big on their interior. But we'll see. This this division is the one with the biggest question marks because it's a two horse race. But we don't know which horse is going to sprain an ankle first. So it's going to be definitely interesting going on the stretch. Giants I have going 7, 9, 6, and 10. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to be fun to watch, but their second, their defense is terrible. Uh, Redskins I have going 2 and 14, the second worst team in football. Oh, sorry, our words. Our Washington football team. Yeah, Washington football team. Um, Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Giants. I think they're going to be a lot. They're going to be better than they have been in the past. Another year with Daniel Jones. Uh, Saquon's a stud. They took Andrew Thomas to help their line a bit. Yeah. I think if they're going to show these improvements, the Giants are never going to be one of those teams the way they're currently built to flip a switch overnight in one season, go from 6-10 and 10 to 12-4. and four. But they're slowly improving, which is very good to see. They're going to replace Dallas within two years. That's yep, my prediction. Yeah. And then um, I, I think Riverboat Ron's a very good coach. I can see, I can see the Redskins kind of hanging around in game, or the Washington football team. I can see them hanging around in games and going five and eleven. I could too, actually, because that that front seven is disgusting. All right, a lot uh, of Bama boys. Oh, a lot of Bama boys. Roll Tide. All right, quickly, Kansas City twelve and four, still the best offense in the AFC. I just there's gonna be they're gonna lose a game or two. It's gonna make no sense. If Mahomes stays healthy, they should be okay. Um, I have Denver going ten and six, wild card team. They're good. I think Locke is going to be a sleeper MVP year. Cheers, buddy, drinking that two-hearted ale. Um, I bought this for you. Uh, love you too, pal. Uh, Oakland going 9-0. Oh, sorry, Las Vegas going 9-7. and seven. I think they are going to have a great offense. Ruggs looks disgusting in camp. I think he's going to be the surprise out of that receiving core. I did not think he was this good of a route runner. I'm watching him cook, guys, in that secondary. I love that pass rush for Oakland too. Um, Chargers go 7-9. Derwin James is basically going to kill their entire season. Uh, Herbert is not ready. Tyrod Taylor won't turn the ball over, but he's not an elite quarterback by any stretch, not even a good quarterback by any stretch anymore. I think they're going to struggle to stay in games. And the issue is, is that on the back end, you're basically going to get smoked every time somebody throws deep with James out. Um, I got the Chiefs. Yeah, 12 and 4 is fair. I think that defense sells a lot of question marks. I still don't love their running game. I don't know why people are so high on Clyde Edwards or Blair. <sighs> Makes me twitch. Now, he is going to a similar offense where it's very overpowered and he could kind of sneak in and make big plays when everyone else wasn't paying attention. Yeah, he's the fourth best weapon, fifth best weapon on that team. So there you go. Kind of like he was at LSU. So exactly. it, it's a good role for him, but I don't think he's going to be as great as people think, especially in fantasy. Um, Denver, I think this division is not going to be very good. Denver 9-7, and seven, I still am not sold on Drew Locke. I think he has accuracy issues. He's got a cannon, not as bad as um, Josh Allen up in Buffalo, but he has a cannon. But I think, but also I think their receiving core is going to win them so many games because they're just going to make plays. Yeah, Hamler, Judy, both elite, both great route runners in college. Judy's already an elite route runner NFL wise. Christian Kirk is, of course, a, no, no, sorry, Cortland Sutton is. I always get the two of them flipped. Cortland Sutton is a monster. I love his game. Noah Fant, you know I love that kid. I think he's the next elite tight end of football. Um, yeah, they're going to have a lot. And the thing is, he got better with Drew Locke in the game because Locke loves to throw to tight ends. Yeah. I and think also, Phil Lindsay. Yeah, Phil Lindsay, Melvin Gordon. 
Oh yeah, we're talking about the throw Rice ball, Freeman. Dude. Rice Freeman too. Like they they have a three headed monster at running back, and then you also throw in the fact that Chubb and Miller are both healthy, and their secondary isn't terrible either. The one thing, Henry Ruggs is faster, and I'm not saying he's not, but Jerry Judy's speed will surprise people. No one's really talking about. It. He's a fast boy. Oh no no, he is just as quick as he is fast, but he never had to go deep in Alabama's offense. That was Ruggs' job. So basically, he could literally two-step a corner and just be gone. I actually have a fun story before I give the rest of my division picks. Okay. Uh, players at Alabama, because they, they had Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy at receiver, maybe the best receiving core last year, honestly. Oh, they no, would, it was the best in college football. They no would rock, do rock, paper, scissors to see who got to run which route. That's awesome. That I'm surprised like... Nick Saban allowed that. But when you have guys that good, you can. But uh, breakaway speed's phenomenal. Um. Vegas, seven and nine. They're not going to be that special. Josh Jacobs is going to continue to improve, but they don't have a quarterback. I'm sold on. I think Derek Carr is perfectly mediocre quarterback. And I then Henry Ruggs had like Prescott, but like not much better at all. I don't think he's better. Uh, Henry Ruggs, yeah, he's fast as hell, but it's not going to help Derek Carr that much by how he likes to play. In my mind, I could be wrong. And then Chargers, five and eleven. They don't have anything going on for that team besides Joey Bosa with Derwin J- Melvin Ingram somewhat still. He, he's getting up there, though. I know, I know. It's, it's they got not- no running game. They got no offense. Uh, Justin Herbert will be starting by week six or seven just to develop him. Because Tyrod Taylor is going to literally lose them at least two games. Which I, I love Tyrod. Tyrod is one of the best backups in football, but he's not a starter. I hate the fact that they're going to start Justin Herbert because that's going to ruin his career. <laughs> Because they're not winning any games with Herbert. His his confidence will be shot after this season. Or he could be that, like, last year, we nobody had any confidence in Drew Locke, and he actually won them four games. I don't know. Herbert's weird because Herbert could have a high— Herbert could come in, like, throwing darts, or he could come in and play like Paxton Lynch. We don't know. I'm not I'm not saying that they're gonna these losses are going to be on him, but people like putting losses on the quarterback every time. Yeah, even if he has a perfect, like if he has a respectable game, 200 yards, two touchdowns, people are still going to blame a loss on him if they lose by 30. I know. Like, dude, Um, played fine. Yeah. NFC North, Ravens at 14 and 2, 15 and 1. They're only going to lose a game or two, and they're usually going to be from clinchers. This team is disgusting. I'm not sold on Jackson as a passer yet, as an elite passer, but that defense is terrifying, and their offense, they just got better on offense which is scary. They got better offense and defense. They didn't lose anybody. So they're going to steamroll everyone they play. I just worry about them in the playoffs. Uh, I got the Ravens on 13-3. I think that ground game is going to be disgusting. You got the, like, the fire and ice combo with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins that the Saints used for a while. Love Dobbins. I think he's going to be a monster. Uh, he's Lamar Jackson's a good enough passer, and couple that with what he can do on the ground still. Phenomenal. Hollywood Brown's going to have a big year. That defense is even better. I They're going the to... The guy that got out of Texas is going to be nasty, too. Yeah, I think they're going to... Yeah, I can't remember his name. It's like Ashante or Shunte or whatever his name is. It's, it's, he's going to be nasty. They're they're going to be the one or two seed, depending on the Chiefs, too. Yeah. No uh, one else can compete with those two teams. Oh, no. All right, we'll, speak, speak, we'll do three in a row for this. I have the Browns and Steelers going nine and seven each. Um, I think... Baker's going to improve with those shifts. Uh, O'Shan- Kevin Oshansky. Um, I think um, Mr. Brown, Odell Beckham himself, 
is going to be a lot better fit. I love Landry and I love the combo of Landry and uh, Mayfield. The two love throwing to each other. Great receiving core, great running back core. They're going to score points. Their defense is getting better. I think they they improve their offensive line. They're going to get you in a lot of games. The problem is they play in the same division as the Bra- the Ravens. And they play the same position as the Chiefs. The Chief, I mean, not Chiefs, the uh, Steelers. The Steelers have an elite defense that makes a lot of plays. Sound familiar? Um, but I think their offense is going to be a problem for them. For them, nobody else. Because I don't trust James Conner is a number two running back, and Juju's the number two receiver, and James Washington's the number three receiver. They don't really have a good tight end, so they're going to struggle to win games a lot. And it's going to you're going to see it towards the end of the season when they get in shootouts with like seven and nine teams. Uh, Bengals are going five and eleven. Six and ten. I think Burrow is going to survive off his mobility and his ability to throw on the run alone. I think John. I think they're going to they're going to win a couple games, but they're going to also going to lose a ton of games by a lot of points. They need offensive line help badly, and they need to figure out the hell they're doing with AJ Green and John Ross. So yeah, yeah. Um, I got the Browns going ten and six. I think they're going to be decent. Uh, OBJ likes getting down and dirty in every aspect of his life, but on the football <laughs> field. Um, I think he's. I still think he's going to struggle in Cleveland, but I think they have enough offensive weapons for the games where he's out due to pink eye that he'll. They'll have enough to win games still. Uh, Steelers eight and eight. Uh, Big Ben's another year older. He's going to get hurt again. Uh, they don't really have any other quarterback options. Juju's not that good as Captain Deadhead Mason Rudolph. Oh God, is he <laughs> at a concussion protocol yet? Jesus. I, don't know. Well, uh, I then, mean, they basically went like finish him. And James Conner, I don't think is that good. Uh, and then Bengals 5-11, and 11, I agree with you. I think Joe Burrow is going to come out with some heroics and win them games, which I feel like it's weird to say automatically about a rookie quarterback in a division like that that's known for smash-mouth football. But Joe Burrow's a baller. Yeah. Oh, no, no, he is. He's going to be the best rookie out of this class until as, Tua stays healthy. As the rest of this class develops, yeah, he might go down as like the third or fourth best quarterback. But he is the most day-one-ready quarterback out of this class by a mile. Yeah, true. Because of Tua's injury concerns. But I think I think we're going to see stats at the end of the year. Like, in games they've won, they've won by fewer than three points. But in games they've lost, they've lost by 12. So basically how, like, I think Locke will have a better career than Kyler will, but Kyler out the first three years will be better. Yeah. Okay. Um, AFC East. Don't hate me for this. I have the Bills going 11 to 5. I think they're going to punch a lot of teams in the mouth. If Allen is even half, even improves a quarter of accuracy ability that he did from last year, they're going to be an elite offense with John Brown and Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. I love that running game, even though they have nobody we can even name. They still are going to find some way to pound the football. I think Zach Moss is like this is going to be the sleeper running back that nobody's talking about this year. I loved his game out of Utah. I think he's going to fit that Sean McDermott system. That defense is disgusting. Thank God they re-signed Tredavious White. Third best corner in football right now. Um, Pat's 9-7. Cam Newton's going to win them a lot of games because that offense has no weapons besides Edelman. Uh, I think they're going to have a lot of surprise no-names that are going to show up, and Belichick's going to coach them to victories. The defense, it's Belichick, so they're going to win games off that, but the problem is they still play the same division as the Bills. If this was ever Buffalo's chance to win a first round playoff game it's this year because i guarantee bill is gonna pull some magic next year and it'll oh, plop franchise quarterback oh sorry buffalo that was your window um 
Dolphins 79, I think the whole Tua Fitzpatrick thing is going to be a great transition because Fitzpatrick is a great mentor. But Tua is going to struggle early because defenses are fast as shit in the NFL. He did play in the SEC, which is going to help him. But they still have a lot of unproven weapons on that side of the ball. Their defense is a lot of mixed mash parts. I want to see how it works together. Because you're going to tell me Van Oy and um, Cruze Hill from the Eagles and Patriots, respectively, is going to be an elite linebacking core. It might, because that's a lot of speed. But I don't know. Brian Flores knows how to maximize his players like Belichick does. Uh, Jets are going 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. Darnold is going to win them one or two games by himself with his arm like they did against Dallas. But that team is screwed because you're going to tell me Perriman is going to replace Robbie Anderson. He won't. Le'Veon Bell is a year older. Chris Herndon is your next best offensive weapon, and he is the second. He's not even the best tight end to come out of Miami in the last five years. There's a reason he left early because he knew he wasn't going to get any more touches once Brevin Jordan came up. True story. Um, so, yeah, that's my AFC East. I got Bills 11-5 and in winning the division. Wow, we agreed on that. That was I crazy. I think that defense is going to be really good. I don't think it's going to be the best in the division, honestly, but I think it's going to be really good. Um, I think Josh Allen, I harp on his accuracy issues, but I think that run game's still phenomenal. Doesn't matter who you put in there, and the, he has good enough weapons that he can do fine. Uh, Patriots also going 11-5, and five, but losing the tiebreakers. That defense is going to be phenomenal this year. Look, you can say all you want about the linebacker losses. I've said it too. Kyle Van Noy was a nobody before he came here. Dante Hightower's out. Yeah, that sucks. But Josh Ucci's a phenomenal player out of Michigan. Chase Winovich, he's a DN, but I, I can see him playing some outside linebacker a little bit. He will play well in this defense. And then Cam Newton, and yeah, you say that they don't have many offensive weapons. Damian Harris is coming back probably week four or five off. I, he's probably going to come off IR and then just be injured so we can come back. I think he's a baller. I watched him at Alabama for four years. He's a great player. Uh, and then Julian Edelman, yeah, Nikhil Harris taking steps. Yep, Gunnar Olszewski is tearing up training camps. They drafted two or three tight ends who I think one of them, if one of them hits, they're fine. They also squeak feet. I'm looking at Asi Asi and James White always out of the backfield. It's going to be phenomenal. And Cam Newton's going to run over everyone. Um, Dolphins, eight and eight. I think they're going to go three and five through the first eight games. Two is going to come in and they're going to win. They're going to go five and three the rest of the way. Jets, three and 13. Sam Darnold is still seeing ghosts. He's going to struggle. They have no weapons. Jets suck. This is how I know Sam Darnold's not going to be a great pro. He made the Eagles' defense look elite last year. J-E-T-S. Suck, suck, suck. I feel bad for Jets fans. I really do. All right, last I division know. quick because the mist started coming fast. I don't want my laptop to short out. So here we go. Um, Titans 10-6. and six, Texans 10-6. and six. It'll come down to last week, but I think the Titans got this. I just think as much as Tannehill is a game manager, I am so on the, the Henry train. They have a better defense now with Clowney. It's going to make the difference. You're going to tell me you're going to stop an edge rush that is Harold Landry and Jadavion Clowney with Casey coming up the middle. No question. They're done. You're not beating that team in, in crunch time. Logan Ryan is a legit loss, but they do have a good defense still. Um, Texans, no secondary, but their offense looks fun. So they're going to keep themselves in games. And Watson is the best quarterback in this division by a mile. Um, I have the Colts. Going 9-7, Rivers is going to be fun to watch with T.Y. Hilton and those and, and Michael Pittman Jr. 
And I think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in this class. But, and they also still have Marlon Mack, who just, you know, everyone forgets is like a thousand yard rusher. But the thing is, they're going to struggle to beat good teams, but they're going to beat okay to bad teams. And Jacksonville may go winless this year. Poor Gardner Minshew. At least he's got his jorts and his mustache. They're going 1-15 at the max. Yeah, I got uh, Titans going 12-4. and four. Okay, so I you're think, even more on the Titan train than I am. I think Tannehill's a smart quarterback. He's not going to lose you many games. He's sneaky athletic. And, I mean, yeah, he kind of sucked in Miami, but it's Miami. Since Dan Marine, like I am not a good quarterback. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Tua breaks that streak, but... I don't know why I'm saying hopefully. I love Tua, but I hate Miami. It's a, it's a struggle. Um, Colts going 10-6. and six. I think people are sleeping on that defense. Darius Leonard is sneakily becoming one of the best linebackers in the game. Oh, easily one of the best interior linebackers. In the uh, they made some moves this offseason. They're going to be better on defense. They got Buckner, have... too. What? They got DeForest Buckner as well. I That's what I thought, but I didn't want to say because I wasn't sure. I was like, did, did he go there? Did I make that up? I knew he got traded. I forgot if it was the Colts. Um, they're going to have a 1,000-yard rusher in Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor, and then they're going to have an 800-yard rusher in the other. If T.Y. Hilton stays healthy, this team will be scary to play. They're not going to win. They're going to lose. Only because the Texans and Titans are in their division, they're going to lose a lot of games, but they're still going to be fun to watch. Texans, 8-8, eight and eight, baby. Wow. Yes, Deshaun you Walker, are Waller. sold that they're going to stink this year. He is one of the – this is high praise because you're going to lead with Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. He is one of the best young quarterbacks in this league. He's going to be phenomenal. I'm very excited that that was a short-term deal, hoping the Pats sign him up in a couple years. But they don't – they traded their best offensive player for David Johnson. Still the, Bill, best me- still the best meme of COVID was the David Johnson memes. Bill Belichick gets criticized a lot because it's a, Bill Belichick, the GM, is not doing any favors to Bill Belichick, coach. Bill O'Brien looked as it, oh, bet, hold my beer. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is a good player. Will Fuller, if he stays healthy, will be good. But it's a, if he stays healthy, you can't go out there with David Johnson and Brandon Cooks and Deshaun Watson expect to win a bunch of games. No. That defense also not great. J.J. Watt, he has not stayed healthy since he's won defense, a couple defensive players of the year. I think they're going to score a lot of points, going to keep them in games, but they're not. They're going to be a wild-card team. They're going to get smacked by whoever they play in the first round. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars are going 2-14. and 14. Do you think they get uh, they think they get uh, your boy Trevor Flowboy Lawrence with their first pick? <sighs> See, I want to say yes. But they, I, would take, they would take Justin Fields. Yeah, probably. <laughs> they will get – no, here's what's going to happen. Somehow, there's going to be teams ahead of them who don't need a quarterback, right? Oh. It's going to be – somehow Cincinnati's going to lose more games. They don't need a quarterback. They're going to take an edge rusher. They're gonna, Or they're going to take the, the corner out of Virginia Tech, maybe. Yeah, and then the Chargers will probably take another secondary guy or a guy to compliment Joey Bosa on the other edge. And then Jack right Rousseau out of Miami. And then Jackson is going to come to the third spot and take Justin Fields. <laughs> or Ian Book. Or Ian Booker. I can see or, that too. Yo, and the worst part is Ian Book's the fourth, fifth best quarterback in this class. That's the best part about it. That's something like they did with Blake Moore. Or they're going to take a group of five guy. 
instead of Trey Lance. Yeah. They're gonna be like, oh, hey, I mean, Trey Lance. Lance is going to have to sit behind a guy for a year. He's, it's not going to be like where – like Lance only played one year of ball. It wasn't like Wentz who played three years at North Dakota State. It, it's – the guy barely is played. He's going to get – is FCS – yeah, FCS is playing. So yeah. we're really – they're not – Well, I'm very confused because – so FCS is directly under the control of the NCAA. They make decisions for that. And I saw that that was canceled, but then FC, I'm, I watched FCS teams. I did too. Our boy Cruz gave, showed us the games. So like I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I, I guess they're playing now. But a uh, moral of the story is Jacksonville's a bunch of idiots. Yeah, no, they are the New York Jets of the South. Um, all right, that wraps it up. They look a gift horse and Trevor Lawrence in the mouth and be like, nah, I'm good. Now nah, we're gonna say we're gonna take Justin Fields is gonna be a bust and a half. I think Justin Fields is too much of a big school guy for them. I think Trey Lance is the move. <laughs> you know what the problem is? Trey Lance actually might be the best quarterback in that class. And the problem is if he goes to Jacksonville, he's fucked. Yeah, no, he's like the best quarterback in class, maybe. And then he's going to go to Jacksonville and suck. He has a I better arm. I think he's a better arm than Lawrence, which is not much. To, I mean, Lawrence has a good arm, but like I think Lance is a bazooka. I want to come out and I'll say I do not hate Blake Bortles. I love him. He's the boat. The boat, baby. He's like, you know, probably smoke a cigarette and like after I'm like, that's just great. All right. So, Kev, you got anything weird for me? Or are we on a are we on a time crunch? Um, I don't have anything weird. However, I would like to announce if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod. Uh watch the latest video we've tweeted. We are coming out as a pro Mac Jones podcast. Oh, I am I am all for it. I am unilaterally making this decision. He is our Heisman pick. Uh, we'll yes, get, I'll get back to Jared, you. Put out a, a Mac Jones hype video. It was also my idea to use that song. So. Yes, I texted Jared and I was like, hey, I sent him the link and I'm like, hey, I want to use a song for a video, but I don't know what the fit was. He's like, Mac Jones hype video? I said, yes. And I started doing it. I texted him after. I'm like, Jared, you beautiful son of a bitch. He called me a genius, guys. That's 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 scary. If you haven't watched it, I'm actually very proud of it. I love it. It's a really good video, honestly. As much as Alabama football can make me want to roll my eyes back at the back of my head, it's still, it's still like, you know, it's good. It's a good quality video. And with that saying, kick that smooth jazz. It's time for last call. So, folks, no, no rants today, nothing. We're just going to say a nice, happy 24th birthday to this angry little munchkin staring at me on the camera. He got already got his fancy bottle of Jack Daniels for his birthday. He's going to eat right now, and I'm delaying family plans. But, Kev, since you've taken over, this show has reached new heights with viewership, quality, and just chemistry. And you are my equal partner in this. And if it wasn't for you, this show probably would have crashed and burned about a year ago. So thank you so much, pal. Enjoy your 24th birthday. Please drink responsibly enough where you might be able to semi-function tomorrow or semi-function and I will drink about four or five beers and maybe a glass of Knob Creek for you tonight so enjoy your birthday pal thanks bud I appreciate it real quick uh, Jared's talked about all this hype like me helping the show and stuff like uh, people forget Jared's the guy who brought me into belly up and I I just want to say even though it's my birthday I want to give a shout out to Jared he is I don't love my job my boss <laughs> is this fine uh, this <laughs> belly up has given me it's some meaning, like something to do in my free time. It allows me to give my takes, even though they're ridiculous half the time. And Jared, buddy, I appreciate you. I love you like a brother. I love you like a brother too, pal. As Jared stretches. <laughs> no, that was just me trying to get shake the bullshit out of my ears. You saying Patriots eleven and five. Um.
right. Well, Kev, listen, happy birthday, buddy. Enjoy your night out with your family. I will smoke a cigar and drink some whiskey in your name. And ladies and gentlemen, we're out. We'll see you Thursday. Football season's back, baby. Let's go. Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network.